This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Hi, I'm Richard Gershon, the host of In Legal Terms and a professor at the University of Mississippi School of Law. If you miss a live In Legal Terms episode, find our podcast, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining, the show all about the culture of Southern flavor and the folks that love to stir the pot. Good morning, Malcolm White with Carol Palmer. Today, we will be your host for an hour-long conversation about food and food ways. Today, we share our first show of December with one of the newest restaurants in the Jackson area, Eudora's Brasserie, Eudora's Mississippi Brasserie. And being the first restaurant in Mississippi to be a living wage certified owner, Tyler Offord will join us in the show later on to talk about his vision for his new culinary destination and this living wage, him as a living wage leader. Also, Christmas approaches and we'll share some gift ideas for foodie in your life and the most popular recipes of 2023. Good morning and welcome to Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. And we welcome in the beginnings of the Christmas and holiday period. Indeed we do. Some great Java music. And I'm Malcolm. We've been off for a week week, and we've already forgotten how to talk. Who was that, Java? Um, The Staple Singers who who took the Mary out of Christmas. All right. Very cool. You know, it's really good to start the day with Mavis and the gang. That is is true. From Winona, Mississippi. See, it's all connected. Yeah, it's all connected. Birthplace of America's music. Yeah. (laughs) We're never far from ourselves, Java. Not at all. Well, we've been off a week and uh, we've forgotten how to talk, but we have not forgotten about food. Food. (laughs) Because we never, ever stray far from eating and socializing and gathering. So, Carol, I know you want to at least put an, uh, an explanation point, if not a period, on Thanksgiving. We weren't here last week to wrap up Thanksgiving. It was a good one. How about for you? Well, I just wanted want to say that, you know, remember how I really wanted to be on the air last week? You did. I did. I didn't want to miss a week of deep south, you know, south dining and Luckily, Java is wiser than we are because I was still in a coma <laughs> after having 31 people for Thanksgiving and 21 people who stayed with us from Wednesday until Sunday. Hmm. And I will tell you, Java, I cooked pounds upon pounds of Benton's bacon. I cooked deer sausage. I don't know how many deer. I was making 60 pancakes a day, and I was, I was exhausted. Carol, you were, you were a hot topic around our Thanksgiving table because we knew the number and the amount of effort that you were putting in for the holiday. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, was, it was so worthwhile because it was just such a joy for my husband, John Palmer, and his twin, Brother Jim, to have all of their families. It's something that, you know, we've done for the, the past 10 years. But to see, you know, all the cousins get along. There were, uh, let's see, I think 14 people sleeping in this little cabin that we have. You know, there were 
mattresses, <laughs> blow-up mattresses. And every, everybody just had a great time. No knife throwing? No knife throwing, oh. no metal detector. Um, you know, people from Corinth usually mix it up a little bit. <laughs> they do. But it was, it was pretty impressive. But, but the cooking, I learned a lot about, about cooking. I'm glad, you know, Tyler's here today um, because I feel like I'm getting ready for restaurant preparation he can he might want to use me at at your door you know before i I didn't realize you could actually make things like pancakes your stacks and stacks of pancakes ahead and put like last Ah, year last year i was more like the waffle house you know did it to order but um i learned a lot we had a ball out in the country it was beautiful it was a beautiful weather uh period over the holidays i really enjoyed the weather we've got massive uh, home improvements going on at, at our house and all during Thanksgiving. We're repainting the exterior of the house, resurfacing the flooring on the front porch and doing all sorts of inside renovations. So it's been very – we didn't have 31 and 21, Carol, but we did have a lot of folks in and I mean, I did just have to say those numbers. Right. I mean, you know – Twenty-seven, I thought it was. No, it turned out to be thirty-one because there were four I wasn't planning on. on oh, that's always day. fun. Yeah, which is which is always fun. But hey, there's always room at the table. Sure, sure. And before the show, I was asking you and Java. I said maybe we should mention see what people did with their leftovers. Or well, I hope they've gotten leftovers. rid of them by now. And y'all said, but, well, uh, they'll be dead. <laughs> they'll be dead right now. But I would love to hear some callers. Tell us what they did, and and mainly because I looked on our Facebook page, Cooking and Coping, saw some of the most creative things like dressing eggs Benedict. Mm. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And lots of gumbo, lots of turkey carcass gumbo. Yeah, lots of of gumbo. Uh, In fact, I'm going to make April April McGregor's gumbo this week. You know, April – is one of our favorites up there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She but uh, is. a sweet potato farmer originally from from Vardaman, but her her t- uh, turkey sausage gumbo has kind of become a classic on cooking and coping. And I hope you have the carcass frozen. You know I do. <laughs> you got one. How many turkey carcasses are left from um, from feeding thirty one people? Two. Two. Okay. Two. But you know, I always get like get other people's turkey carcasses. I never let turkey. Oh, it's carcass like go. getting other people's Christmas trees to throw in the lake to build brim beds with. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But you know, all those thrown away turkey carcasses. What a what a waste! What a waste! What a waste indeed. Well, uh, it's an exciting time as we approach uh, the holidays. A lot of food conversation in and around that. Um, we we move from one traditional meal to another from the Thanksgiving. Uh, end of the holiday, Christmas, Hanukkah period, where lots of eating continues. So it's a it's a fun time of year, and uh, for, particularly for us in this biz. And of course, we were happy to have on Francis Lamb to talk about the Turkey Confidential. And that was a great on Splendid Table. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to dolly. I mean, I didn't get to listen. I'm, I'm gonna go back and listen to the podcast. You can podcast. I was too it, frenetic to, to, <laughs> to listen. All right. Well, as as you mentioned, Tyler Alford is going to be joining us. He uh, is opening up a new uh, has opened up a new restaurant here in Metro Jackson. It's in the district. Carol, can you explain to our listeners who don't live in Jackson where the district is? The district is on 
the I-55 frontage road mm-hmm. between Lakeland Drive and Northside Drive and Meadowbrook, Meadowbrook Road. Mm-hmm. Meadowbrook Road, not very yeah, far so from here where we are. Yeah, right. It's a it's a beautiful <clears throat> complex, uh, and Tyler will be neighbors or his neighbors with Sal and Mookie's and. Right. Uh, some great shops and law firms. Beautiful place. Yes. A space outside for uh, music and just kind of hanging out. And for those who uh, remember, it's the uh, the former address of Fine and Dandy in the district. Yeah. So anyway, new restaurant, Eudora's Mississippi Brasserie, which means, I guess, I'm going to ask Tyler, who has <laughs> joined us now, uh, about the title. I am so curious because it's – it obviously pays homage to Eudora Wealthy. Uh, then it goes to Mississippi and then French Brasserie. So that's interesting. So it's a combination of French and Southern cuisine? Absolutely. Um, I think the easiest way to say it would be that you know we were trying to hit as many different points as we could. <laughs> Jackson, Mississippi, and then uh, Brasserie. Uh, but yes, pays uh, homage to Miss Welty uh, and you know the romantic classicism of Jackson and of course Mississippi. Um, we do source as many Mississippi ingredients as we can. Uh, we love working with uh, Two Dog Farms and Grits Girl uh, Grits out yep. of Oxford and Two Brooks Farms and all these amazing uh, uh, producers here in Mississippi, uh, as well as Brasserie. You know we are open from essentially 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day. Um, and so, you know, the brasserie concept is, you know, a big, open and lively, uh, similar to a bistro, but mm-hmm. with a larger menu and more beverage options in a, in a more open space historically. And when we looked at uh, what was available there at the district, that space, um, you know, we, we saw an opportunity to really kind of open it up a little bit more uh, to add some more seating um, and then to go ahead and take advantage of what already was a really well-built bar mm-hmm. um, and, right. and take that concept that direction. But um, our chef is from Chef Tab is from uh, Natchez, grew up, uh, born in Columbus, grew up in Natchez. Uh, so he's he's got those Mississippi roots uh, t- tied to tied to the business, and obviously uh, he that all his cooking came from his family, you know. And, his, yeah. and uh, well, they know how to do it in Natchez. They sure do. They know how to cook and they know how to entertain. Yeah, it's yep. the uh, yeah the entertainment capital of of the state of the state. Yeah, yeah. Tyler, <laughs> it's the original creative economy. I always say. Yeah, Tyler, his, his mom's down in Baton Rouge now, but she she's quite the cook. Um, so Tab really picked up a lot from Thanksgiving, you know, and holidays and, and spending time in the kitchen as as a kid, as he'll tell you. But uh, we we just wanted to do something that we felt um, was a little bit different, you know, a little bit of a departure from what I think Jackson um, has historically seen. Uh, but there are just some real, you know, classic elements there, Southern and French uh, cuisine with the confit, uh, the marchand de vin. Um, you know, a lot of the dishes that you would historically see in a brasserie or in a bistro, but with that Mississippi twist, mm-hmm. um, you know, the dirty rice, uh, you know, it's two Brooks farms and uh, obviously the quail is Manchester farms quail. But, um, you know, that's obviously something that a lot of folks know a lot about down here. Um, so we wanted to really kind of look at look at each dish and say, what you know, what element is this and what what makes it French, what makes it Southern and what makes it Mississippi? And we try to uh, put that spin into everything that we do. And obviously the cocktails, you know, we, we lean heavily towards Cathead and Wonderbird, uh, you know, spirits that are made here in Mississippi. 
Um, and that, that, that part's easy. You know, my, my job's easy as far as making the drinks and, and running the beverage program. Tab's the one that kind of has to put the extra effort in. So is your background beverage? It is, yes, yes. Um, I, I, I would love to claim the ability. I'd love to have the title chef, but I just, I'm, I'm you know, firing knives. Uh, I end up with an injury more often than not. Uh, but uh, my, my background's in beverage. I was at Commander's Palace. Um, it's pr- probably where most of my career really launched, working with Dan Davis and, and the beverage program there. Uh, picked up a sommelier. Uh, and then I was the beverage director and then vice president of operations for uh, Tupelo Honey, based out of Asheville. One of my f- favorites. Yeah. Um, I actually had a home at, in Black Mountain. Oh, great. Yeah. And um, I have the cookbook, yeah. and yeah, I'm all in. Yeah, yeah. I was I was very fortunate with my time there. Um, I got to uh, publish 90 cocktails uh, with the third cookbook um, okay. that we did with Tupelo. Um, but that beverage has definitely been my background. It's definitely where um, my passion is. Um, I would say I'm I would say I'm Tab's number one taste tester. I'm always available to help uh, you know screen the the dishes. Uh, but I've had a very fortunate career across the country in wine and in beverage. So and, how how did you and how did you develop the menu? Did you do that together, <laughs> or were you just the taster? Well, um, I was. Tab and I are both working for a group in Bozeman, Montana, um, and Tab uh, was the chef at a concept called Copper uh, in Big Sky, and uh, we came down here to visit my cousin. And her family for New Year's, and we had always kind of once the pandemic hit, we kind of started thinking about doing our own thing, and have been looking at Jackson, kind of earmark Jackson because of the close family ties we have here, um, as far as my family, and uh, we were able to go tour the space, the empty space that was fine and dandy, um, and once we walked in there, for me it was it was a, a no brainer just as far as the space and, and the ability. So I pretty much wrote a menu uh, in, in roughly 24 hours based off of what I thought Tab would cook. Um, and at that time, there's a lot of changes in the company that I was working for, uh, and Tab was kind of moving around. But knowing his background, knowing he was from Mississippi, uh, and knowing that you know his, his family was down here, uh, I said, okay, well, what if, what if, if Tab and I were running a restaurant together, what, what might it look like? Uh, and so I wrote a recipe, and then... I sent it to him and said, uh, you know, Tab, my cousin's thinking about opening a restaurant in Mississippi. What do you think of this menu? And he goes, oh, man, I'd love to cook this menu. He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like where did you come up? Like, where, who, how do you come up with this? Like, this is all dishes that, I, you know, it's, it's like you're in my head. And I was like, well, okay, let me, let me, t- let me tell you about this idea. <laughs> I was like, it's not my cousin. It's actually me. Uh, but uh, we, we, we spent a lot of time, you know, um, at, at the restaurants in town. You know, learning from some of the best that are here, uh, you know, Bill Latham at, at Table 100, Derek Emerson at, at, at um, Walker's, and, of course, Kate. Um, met with Nathan, met with Jeff Good, uh, and, you know, really kind of got to know their, where they had been successful, saw the dishes that they were doing. Um, and we knew we were going to be, you know, producing dishes that some, some of these restaurants are already kind of doing, but we also knew that we could put our own spin on them. Uh, and maybe introduce some things that that would be different on the menu, such as like you know the venison marchand de van. Um, you know there is confit, but you know tabs tabs approach to it's quite different um, with essentially a hop and john and 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 the braised greens. So uh, the menu development piece you know lasted quite a while, um, and we pulled from things that we knew had been successful in the past uh, with the fresh oysters and martinis and and you know truffle fries and lots of small plates. You know the space the space is very open. 
Uh, there's there's this very social atmosphere. Uh, so we wanted to make sure there'd be plenty of small plates and opportunity for folks to, you know, come have a couple cocktails, have a couple small plates at happy hour or come back for dinner um, at the appropriate time. Tyler, we're glad to have you join us this morning to talk about your new restaurant, Eudora's or Eudora's Mississippi Brasserie, depending on however you'd like to uh, uh, like to speak of it. It's just a great name. It is. You know, it just makes you happy just to think about it. Indeed. So let's talk about how you ended up here. Um, you're not from Mississippi, though you do have family, therefore roots in Mississippi, right, Tyler? That's correct. Uh, my dad grew up in Greenwood, Mississippi. Uh, my grandmother, Agu, uh, famous, in, at least in our circles, for uh, her buttermilk biscuits, uh, which are one of the more popular items on the menu, Agu's buttermilk biscuits. Um, but I was, uh, we all got to get up and cook those with her in the morning in Greenwood in, in her big open kitchen. Um, and uh, my, I went to Millsaps uh, for a couple of years. I was an English major, so good bartender. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, my favorite class was actually Southern Autobiography. Uh, taught by uh, Dr. Suzanne Mars. Mars. I was wondering oh. if she was sure. She yeah. is just amazing. Yeah, she yeah. gave she gave me a, a B uh, in in that class that I did not earn. But she she uh, she told me that the the writing I had done, uh, she wanted me to continue with that. So, uh, well, was, you have certainly paid her back by naming the restaurant Eudora. <laughs> certainly, certainly, because yeah. yeah, she was the Eudora Welty Chair and. Yeah, yeah, written the books and amazing person as yeah. well. Yeah, she uh, and, I, and yeah, we read a lot of Eudora, a lot of Willie uh, Morris in that class, um, and uh, you know, really got to got to learn a lot about Mississippi culture uh, through that those courses at Millsaps, of course. Uh, and then yeah, I, I got uh, bounced around after that. Um, most recently, coming from Bozeman, I got to teach courses at uh, MSU out there in um, food and beverage cost control and beverage management, um, but. Uh, Mississippi is, you know, has always had a, a close place in our hearts. Um, and, you know, I spent many a night at Hallamow's, um, <laughs> uh, you know, in the, in the Red Room, uh, as well as down at George Street Grocery. Uh, so, you know, Jackson, to me, you know, it feels, it feels very much like coming home uh, in so many ways. Um, just, just knowing the city and, you know, becoming an adult uh, here uh, during my years at Millsaps and, and all the visits that we've had. Now, is your wife from Mississippi? Did I? She's not. Not okay. Um, I, I'm making up stuff now. No, well, it's it's been published that she. Yeah. Is. Okay. Well, I thought I read that. Yeah, you, you did read it, um, but I, unfortunately, um, I think the Clarion misunderstood what I was saying. I was referring to Jackson, where we met, which was Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Ah, uh, the other Jackson. The other Jackson. <laughs> so, so I think I, I think I said at, when we met in Jackson, um, but she's uh, she grew up in Upper Michigan. Um, and then we met in Jackson Hole and then moved to New Orleans. Um, and I got to spend uh, three years at Commander's Palace there in New Orleans um, of, of legend and lore. So, Right. All right, we've got a caller from Sardis, Mississippi, and uh, Amy has a, a comment or a question. Hello, Amy. How are you? Hello. Hello there. Hey, how are you doing? Wonderful. Yourself? Yes, I'm doing great. Well, at Thanksgiving, I work at the Chickasaw Hills Cabins and Lodge in Sardis, Mississippi, and we have a venue for weddings or family reunions and such. We had a wedding this year, and for the rehearsal dinner, everybody brought their leftovers. Oh. Wow. It, it was so bitchin'. It was so cool. We had, like, black-eyed peas and turkey and ham, and everybody bought their leftovers in the family. 
and it was a feast. And it went off without a hitch. It was great. I just thought that was kind of cool. That's super cool, and uh, I've not heard of that and, before. Yeah, I just love it that we're introducing that idea yeah. to people. Yeah, it, it, I thought it was amazing. So, um, so just yeah, just hats off to them. So I thought it was cool. So thank y'all for listening to me. Oh, it's well, a thank new you. Ca- it's Thanksgiving potluck. I, indeed. After thank you. Thanksgiving potluck. We appreciate you listening. Appreciate you giving us a call. That's an interesting concept. It's always good to hear from our listeners. Uh, we know you're there. Uh, we always enjoy hearing from you. So, uh, Tyler, about the menu, you talked a little bit about that, and then the drinks. I know you're going to be promoting the bar and the beverages, since that's your background. I wondered if you'd ever worked with sassafras uh, as, as a drink, as a flavor. Um, I have not. Um, I'm trying to think through my my. His, I'm leaning towards sarsaparilla, uh, as far as sassafras. <laughs> I have not. Not uh, okay. But there is. There I is, love sassafras tea. Yeah, growing up, there like, is. There's definitely a, been a, a movement. Uh, obviously, the savory uh, components, um, but also uh, we're starting to see a lot more of those darker herbal flavors in cocktails. I think as bitters and new bitters have kind of uh, gotten, you know, grown in popularity. Um, yeah, it's really cool to go to the liquor store now, and instead of one bottle of of bitters, there are six or seven different boutique kinds of things yeah. to play with. <laughs> there are, and bitters, um, you know, sassafras definitely does show itself in, in some. Um, my wife and I actually, during uh, the initial shutdowns, we, we decided to start our own little bitters company. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, we actually sold them to my cousin who has a, a store here. In now, is this the cousin who came up with the menu? No, this is, <laughs> no, this is the cousin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, he, he, he definitely uh, tasted his way through most of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we called it Wiso uh, Bitters. Um, and we, uh, that was kind of kept us busy for a little while. Um, Are but, you still doing it? Are you still producing it? I, we still have some bottles. I still, I definitely still have some labels. We're not, we haven't really produced. Sounds like a good recently. Christmas gift. It's or, a great Christmas yeah. gift. If yeah. you had, if you had time to do it, but your your cocktail menu is really, really unusual, and I think I'm coming to have the smoked old fashioned. It's called. In the back of the Benzie? L in the back of the Benzie. Yeah, that's um, all the cocktail. I reached a point in my career where I couldn't come up with cocktail names anymore. So I started taking lyrics out of songs. And that um, one's by Nelly. That's from Nelly, yeah. Um, but it's it's a smoked cocktail, and L is something that you would smoke in the back of a Benz. Um, but it's uh, it, it's intended to be um, a... a <laughs> Java's down on that one. DJ um, Java. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, it took me a minute, but I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Is this, yeah. Do you add add the smoke flavor to the old fashioned? We do. Um, yeah. And that one, that one, we had been smoking the whiskey um, as we've opened up the restaurant. You know, gotten a little more finer in our details, but that one's now actually being served in a cigar box. So it comes. Oh wow! In a cigar box with the cherry wood smoke in, and we open it up. That smoke comes out. It's yeah. it's pretty fun. I've had that at another at another. The restaurant. It's, it's kind, the of an, kind of an experience, you know, with that smoke coming you out. You know and, what this means, yeah. Java, that we cannot go there at, at lunch and have, have our. We're, we're going to have to go at dinner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is a, this is an yeah. after MPB thing. Yeah. yeah, and and we also might have the laid back, which is a Snoop Dogg drink. Um, yeah, laid back. 
It has uh, elderflower in it, but I, I love how you've paired the names. Yeah, it's it's fun. It, it it's an additional little thing to talk about. Um, but you know, uh, music and 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 beverage uh, tend to go together. Uh, you know, especially in dining spaces. You know, I we're we're big on our playlist. Um, my wife has been cultivating our Christmas, <laughs> uh, our holiday playlist as of late. But you know, music really adds a lot to the experience. Uh, you know, when you're in a restaurant, having the right music, having the right beats per minute, um, you know, and, and music that people like um, playing. So, you know, that's something that, that we were able to draw some creative inspiration from very easily uh, mm-hmm. in that regard. So, yeah, the laid back, uh, you know, that's gin and juice, um, uh, you know, Snoop Dogg. Uh, and we uh, that one's actually on another draft. Mississippi guy. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and, uh, yeah, we served that on draft. The, the Elderflower Tonic um, from Jack Rudy, based out of Charleston, uh, is Brooke Wrights, uh, who's um, Leo, Leo's um, – sorry, the Oyster House. I can't remember. Anyway. Uh, but, yeah, we've, we've, we always try to make sure that we're doing something interesting and fun. I always encourage our staff to come up with drinks and come up with fun names to go along mm-hmm. with them. So hopefully, hopefully soon we'll be seeing some more, uh, some more interesting cocktails there as well. What about the Java with coffee and uh, vodka yeah, or something? Yeah. I don't know. Well, we have we have the paint a uh, paint a pretty picture, uh, which is outcast, uh, but you can't predict the weather, um, <laughs> which is an which is an espresso vodka martini. Mm, uh, okay, that, that's very good. That, uh, but yeah, you know we we also have uh, draft nitro coffee, uh, so we, we incorporate that into uh, that cocktail as well as have that available. So as far as the Java side of it. Um, you know, coffee's never really been my my strong suit personally, but um, the the draft coffee is really more for the staff. Right, <laughs> yeah. keep, keep keeping everybody away. Yeah, keeping everybody away. So it's cheaper than Red Bulls. Well, you know, right. before you open, <laughs> run your liquor costs. Exactly. You were you were asked what what the you know the best dish was going to be, or it was, and, and you said it was the Boudin stuffed quail. Yes, has that. Proved to be true once you opened. It, it has been, and I, the, the fun thing for me is folks that uh, are willing to kind of branch out and take a risk. Because a lot of folks are like, I've never had quail before. Let me let me try that, and it's like, wow, like never had quail, and you're going to have a boudin stuffed. <laughs> um, but uh, folks have absolutely loved that dish. It is it is a wonderful uh, t- two French uh, Manchester Farms quails uh, stuffed with uh, o- um, Ocello's boudin. Uh, which is North Louisiana product um, that we get. Uh, and we roast those off, of course, and finished it with that blueberry glaze uh, over the smoked Gouda grits and sautéed greens. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful dish, but it's also just incredibly flavorful. Um, and that, that was one that uh, Tab was really excited for, I was really excited for. And once it hit the plate, it was, it was, it was pretty incredible. Uh, but we had a gentleman tell us that it was one of the best dishes he's ever had. And, uh, you know, I, I think Tab deserves that, that credit. Mal, are you getting hungry? You know it, particularly if we're going to talk about quail. I know. I'm all over that. And you know what I want to hear about, too, is the crawfish-stuffed pork chop. Mm. Yeah, we we basically just look at something and say, what can we stuff in it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the the pork chop uh, is bone-in, um, and uh, we're using Duroc right now. Uh, and we take those some of the leftover biscuit uh, pieces that we have, and we mix that with crawfish tails and seasoning, and then uh, stuff that into that uh, pork chop. And then that's cooked sous vide uh, up to a perfect medium rare, and we finish it off with uh, root beer glaze. Um, uh, Barks, I hope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but that's also that one's been a really popular dish as well. Um, 
and uh, yeah, it's funny, you know, reading through the menu, you guess you know, what's the best thing, what's, what's your favorite thing, and, you know, you hate going to restaurants and people being like, oh, everything's really great, uh, but Tab's just done such an amazing job with that food menu uh, that it really, you know, we, we try to cover as many different places as we can. You know, with our cocktail menu, we like to call it a whole well philosophy, so we use vodka, rum, gin, tequila, use everything that's in the well. Uh, but we tried to cover everything that we could as well. And the well the for our listeners is the is the container where the the um, bar brands, I guess, right, would be kept. Yeah, that metal that, that thing in that front metal of the bartender, in front of the bartender, right? The well, <laughs> the well. Yeah. So, um, but we also, you know, we also have the, uh, great vegetarian options too. That beet steak is phenomenal. Um, that that's a pretty creative one. We take whole uh, chogi beets and, and, or candy stripe beets, but large ones, and we roast those off. Now, where, do you, where do you get candy stripe beets? Uh, those are coming from, I believe, Sunrise, uh, but, they're, but they're coming from, uh, I believe, a little further west okay, uh, yeah. of us. I, I, I'd have to look at the sourcing. Um, since the pandemic, sourcing's been one of those really fun games in right. restaurants. Yeah. Um, but uh, we roast those off um, and then add a little bit of port wine, a little bit of red beet juice. Uh, and then cut them into uh, looks almost like a sirloin uh, cut, uh, and then coffee rub that and grill it off. And it, you know it's intended to be very much like a steak, but uh, made out of a beet. Um, and uh, for folks that you know like beets, it's phenomenal. For folks that don't like beets, uh, they've really it's been phenomenal. Yeah, it's a really fun dish. So I'm interested about the venison items on the menu. Mm-hmm. You know, venison is part of our culture as we're a state of. Hunters, yes, indeed. but it's not something that you see on a menu, yes, because it's mostly done in the homes because we're using wild venison. But I mean, you you pay a pretty serious homage on your menu mm-hmm. to venison with the carpaccio and the marchand de vin, and then yeah. The, yeah, so talk about the thought process that went behind that and how that's received. Certainly. If you get yeah. hunters in there to go, golly. <laughs> yeah, I, t- I tell you, the number of opportunities I've gotten to go into somebody's freezer to get venison <laughs> since we've opened is, is like quadrupled. Uh, but obviously, we're, we're, we're sourcing uh, USDA-approved uh, venison um, in that regard. But, uh, you know, we, Tab's, Tab's a big hunter as well. It's definitely uh, something he loves to do. Um, and that venison, you know, I think for a lot of folks, when they think of venison, it, it does kind of hearken to like the hunting camps and you know, sitting around the fire and, and, and chili and stews. Uh, but bourbon, bourbon. Uh, but that we're getting in those venison loins, uh, which are beautifully tender. And then, of course, cooking those sous vide as well to flavor them. But that that dish is, is phenomenal. My mother-in-law was just speaking about it the other day and just saying, oh, my gosh, how is this not more popular? But, you know, you see venison and Marchand de Vin. And I would say that in some of the markets that I've worked, that would that would never sell. You know, you, you'd be hard-pressed. But that one's in, you know, the top five or six of the P-mix, uh, the product mix, uh, as far as what we're moving in the, in the restaurant. Um, but it's it, the carpaccio is done with local honey. Uh, we get that from uh, Todd Good locally um and it really that i would say the honey of that carpaccio kind of brings out more of the uh the subtleness of the venison you get less of that game and it does kind of you get more of the fat and the sweet uh associated with um with with that meat uh we actually um i try to eat each dish once a week it's a tough job but um that one i had just just last night and it was the carpaccio is just really absolutely uh, a fun dish. It's a really interesting uh, take on on that piece. And I think in Mississippi, with with the hunting community, it does it is accepted a little bit more. Um, but uh, I think I think folks would love to 
you know, we have had a few questions about how did we cook that marchand de vin? Because I think some folks are wanting, it's like, well, you got to get an emergent circulator and you got to hold it at one foot 50. You know, and so I think um, folks are going to, may see some more emergent circulators in, in the honey camps these days. Yeah, well, <laughs> after our break, I want to talk a little bit about CV and yeah. circulation. Absolutely. All right. Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. We're glad you have joined us this morning. Our guest in the studio, Tyler Offord, a new restaurateur in town, Eudora's, over in the uh, district, district, uh, in sort of north-central Jackson. I don't really know how to describe where that is, but, but anyway, we're glad you're here and, and welcome. We promised to talk about Southern Living's uh, top five most popular recipes, Carol, for, for the year. So uh, the first one is Million Dollar Spaghetti. What do you know about that one? Well, I'm just actually looking it up as we're we're talking. It's it's a casserole has lots of ricotta, a lot of layer cheese. of meat mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> of, of meat, and it says, "Did we mention there's cheese? There are four kinds of oh, okay. cheese." Like, but you know, most of these these the marry me chicken, I think, and the million dollar spaghetti. I think you can do it in a vat or a casserole. <laughs> so what about this? Eclair cake. I, I mean, I know what an eclair is. Is this just a cake made of multiple eclairs, you think? Or it's just an eclair style cake? It's Tyler, a, you know anything about this? Sounds like it's probably more layering. <laughs> just more, more, more butter, more cream. More, more cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what about this Texas trash pie? It doesn't sound very appetizing. I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I want to go back to the eclair cake. Okay, it says right. it's the perfect potluck uh, dessert. Um, there are a lot of graham crackers and vanilla pudding in, oh, here, okay. in here. So I don't really see any eclairs. Okay. Well, I think it's a style, maybe. It's a style. And what about millionaire bacon? You said you cooked a lot of bacon. What's millionaire bacon? Well, to bacon? me, millionaire bacon is by Alan Benton and Benton's bacon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the, he, well, he's our millionaire bacon. Maker. I'm going to guess that there's probably some sugar involved. Yeah, probably. Yes, and there is, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Brown, brown, brown sugar. <laughs> You're right, Tyler. There's a, there's a lot of brown sugar involved. Okay. So uh, you, you can freeze the bacon for up to a month and then just microwave it so you can keep some on hand okay. all the time. So that's, that's Southern Living's top five. I don't know. Yeah, we're, we're, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't we're know not now. that familiar with, with them. We have talked about Marry Me Chicken before on the show, I remember. I'm already married now, so I don't have to make it anymore. <laughs> it, it's, it's, a, it's a luring sort of if you marry, I don't know. What was the story? We, we talked about it one time. I know, and I, I don't remember, but I do remember about Death Chicken. Oh, yeah, one of you know one of my uh, co-workers at the Everyday Gourmet many years ago told me, she said, "Oh, I've got to go run home and put my death chicken in the oven." Oh. And what death chicken is is you put it in the oven, and then you go to the funeral, and, come and back. then when you come back, it's still there, and you you start. Anything that starts with a layer of bacon can't be all bad. Correct. Like you take a nine by thirteen and you put layers of bacon and then you dump rice and then you put chicken Mm. and then you put cream of chicken soup and then you can take it to the funeral gathering got you okay enough about that now we have a recipe to share this morning and this is eudora welty's eggnog recipe very famous 
Tyler, you've opened up a restaurant named for Miss Wealthy. Are you familiar with her eggnog? I am familiar with the eggnog. Okay. Um, I know that she's a bourbon uh, fan. That's right. Was a bourbon fan, so. Miss Wealthy inherited the recipe from her mother, Chestina. I hope I pronounced her name correctly, who is who in turn gave credit to Charles Dickens for this recipe. And this is the recipe. Six egg yolks beaten well. Three tablespoons of powdered sugar. One cup whiskey added slowly, beating all the while. And finally, one pint whipped cream folded in. It sounds delicious and sounds like a heart attack in a cocktail glass. <laughs> well, you only have it once a year. So, yeah. Right? So there you go, Tyler. You, you now so are you going to eggnog this Christmas, eggnog. Tyler? Oh, yes, definitely. We, um, we did the one-year-old eggnog last year uh, in Bozeman. That was, that was really fun. Um, but we definitely will have the milk punches and the eggnogs flowing. Um, I saw Elvis that Hunter, uh, he just released his Christmas uh, cocktail list as well. So I think everyone's getting in the spirit of all the different uh, cocktails that get to come around at this time. I had no idea we would be able to eggnog around town, but things have changed. Sounds like a thing. Yeah, the, uh, Sound you, like a thing. You could call it a walk, but it may turn into more of like a roll. An egg roll, exactly. Yeah. And, Java, we need a soundtrack for this eggnog tour. Yeah, well, that's what I was about to say. It needs to be like a um, a, a designated driver. Yeah, we need uh, a small uh, bus. Roll. A small bus. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, a noggin bus. Okay. A noggin bus with lights. <laughs> right. You know, maybe I smell maybe we'll do a little research on that and see if we can put together I an eggnog tour for next week. Yeah. Have you seen those paddle the, the pedal the pa- bikes? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know if they, you can pull it off with eggnog. They destroyed be. Nashville with those. Yeah, and Ash- Asheville has got theirs Asheville's, too. Yeah, Man. yeah, yeah. The, the, hill, the, the hillier the the hillier the climb, I think the less the, the less beer. The more sell. danger, the more eggnog. So, <laughs> so Tyler, let's talk about the living wage certification yes. uh, and and what that means and 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 now that you are sort of a pace setter in that arena. Yes, yeah, so we, we're certainly very proud of this. Um, the Michigan, uh, excuse me, um, what am I trying to say? Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, uh, was one of the original kind of uh, analysts of uh, cost of living in different in different uh, locations. So they have a cost of living calculator that they use to look at uh, every county in the United States and you know weigh you know food food costs, transportation costs, housing costs. Uh, and then they post what it what is required for a single person, uh, a, a person with a child, two people, so forth. What they would need to make by the hour on a forty hour week in order to be able to live uh, in in that location, uh, which is obviously above well above the poverty line. Uh, but we worked with uh, Fair Living Wage U.S. or Living Wage for U.S. Uh, based out of uh, California, who who uses MIT's data but also compiles some of their own data to determine what that cost of living is in counties as well. And then when you show that that's what you're paying and and and, and sign that commitment, uh, they certify you as fair living wage. We are the first certified business in Mississippi by uh, Fair Living Wage U.S., uh, which is something that we're proud for. But uh, it means that every one of our employees uh, makes at least $16.57 an hour, which is what is determined in Hines County 
to be uh, the cost of living for a single person working 40 hours a week. Uh, and so we're, we're committed to that. Um, someone was asking me recently, does that, you know, does that mean we need to tip? Yes, <laughs> please do still tip. Uh, because those wages are, um, you know, it's tipped plus the hourly to make sure they meet at least that 1657. Uh, but, uh, you know, Danny Meyer, uh, and the Union Square Hospitality Group was kind of one of the first uh, in the country to really kind of push towards this um, more European, quite honestly, style of compensation f- uh, for restaurant employees. Um, but instead of going that direction in, in a no-tipped environment, we decided that we as an employer wanted to set that standard uh, and, and make sure that our employees were all able to support their families, uh, you know, working a 40-hour week and, you know, getting to go home, getting to spend time with their, with their families for Thanksgiving, uh, you know, and, and do those sort of things with, with, with enough money uh, to feel comfortable. Let's talk about the tipped wage. And I think that many people don't know that waiters make $2.13 mm-hmm. an hour. Yeah. It's 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 a fascinating thing, you know. In some markets, like where I just came from in Montana, that tip minimum wage is you know nine to ten dollars, um, and but in Mississippi uh, and many other states, it's still two thirteen an hour, uh, which means that um, you know the the legislation and so forth has determined that because of those tips, they're going to make enough money to be able to meet the federal minimum wage, which which is you know incredibly low, which but is seven seven twenty five I yeah. believe now, yeah. Um, and obviously not sustainable, you know, for, for any person. So we actually, our servers make, uh, between four and $7 an hour, um, from, from, as far as what we pay. And then they make tips on top of that. Um, but we've just found that that, that makes a, a more competitive, uh, um, hiring environment for us, you know, being able to post that we're you know not paying the bare minimum, you know, that we're, we're committed to hiring, uh, you know, full-time, you know, uh, servers that are lifetime servers in that sense. Uh, and, and tip, tipped employees in that way, but it's 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 an ongoing debate in restaurants. You know, Malcolm, is, as you know, uh, it's a it's a tough business of tight margins. You know, but from my experience, um, a little bit more pay leads to a little bit higher retention, and that retention uh, leads to better service, better review scores, and better long term sustainability of a restaurant itself. And that's really uh, you know to be selfish in that sense. You know, we are we are paying. Uh, well, and we're paying at the top of the market, but we're also seeking to be successful as a restaurant. You know, we do want to keep our people. We do want to grow. You know, we do want to see that our revenue and our service standards continue to grow. Uh, And so we're making that investment, uh, we feel, in the right place with our people and and driving our culture that way. And does this impact your price point on your menu? It it certainly does. Um, You know, restaurants are are a law of percentages, you know, um, and whether or not you're hitting your percentage goals really is the determinant. Uh, and so we, we certainly do have, you know, uh, some more expensive entrees. We do cross into the 40s. Uh, but we also have uh, martinis for $4 at happy hour, you know, and all day Monday today. So if you get done today, we'll go grab martinis <laughs> for the rest of the afternoon. Uh, but, um, you know, the price points uh, from that standpoint, we try to drive them according to what the food costs and the beverage costs is associated with it. And we try to look at labor and cost of goods as separate separate line items. Uh, but that overall prime cost, uh, cost of goods plus labor, uh, you know, is, is, the, is the biggest factor in restaurants to their success, without a doubt. What was the response to your 
seeking labor in this market? You know, it was phenomenal. Uh, in six weeks, we had over 1,200 applicants for the hourly positions. Uh, we interviewed over 600 people. Uh, we made offers to over 120 people, and we had 118 show up to orientation, which is significantly more than we needed. Uh, but uh, through that, you know, in training and kind of getting to know us and our culture, um, you know, we've, we've, we've worked down to the, the right working number for what we need in the restaurant. Uh, but the response was, was phenomenal. Um, you know, when we posted for our dishwasher and porter positions at that 1657, you know, we got over 100 applicants in under an hour. Uh, but I think, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that it was a higher wage than, than uh, had been seen. But also, too, I think we did a good job of establishing ourselves culturally and, and letting folks know that we, you know, family-owned business here based in Mississippi uh, and wanting to really give folks the opportunity to work in a restaurant where they could feel that they could grow uh, and be supported in that way. It's interesting that you mentioned dishwashers because many a restaurant can't make it. Right. without dishwashers and this this became so clear after hurricane katrina mm-hmm. and restaurateurs were trying to open back you may even be, have been there at that time and you know you would have the chef who wanted wanted to cook but many times it was the owner and mm-hmm. you know the chef back there washing dishes because attracting the dishwashers back to new orleans was it's tough. Like, it yeah. was tough getting them back from Houston and Jackson yeah. and all those places, and they are a critical part of the restaurant operation. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. It's interesting that you, you mentioned New Orleans. My first uh, job at Commanders was actually I was managing the dishwashing department, so we called it Heart of the House uh, because it's the it's the heart that pumps the blood in order for the restaurant to function. You know, if you think about it, everything in the restaurant relies on clean plates and those plates being cleaned in order to actually serve the guest. Uh, but I learned, I was 24 years old. Uh, Katrina was probably two or three years prior to my arrival to New Orleans. Uh, but I just, I got my butt whooped trying to learn how to, how to run a warehousing department in the, one of the greatest restaurants in the history of the world. Right. Uh, and, you know, and here I was coming in, you know, a young kid out of Jackson Hole from, I had eight tables in Jackson Hole to Commander's Palace with, you know, hundreds. <laughs> and, um, and it was uh, it, it was it was it was a real great learning lesson. But um, we call our we call our room the Dish Palace because uh, we want it. You know, we, it's not a pit. It's not you know a place. We, we all want to pay respect to the fact that we're all working together. Um, but you know, having a, a solid uh, dishwasher, solid wear washing department um, is is crucial to any restaurant, without a doubt. Tyler, I just want to jump in before we run out of time. Um, I don't know, you know, your doors is, is very new and what you're doing is really awesome. Their fair wage thing is, you. you know, something that could be taken across all industries. Myself as a former waiter, getting at 2.15, I know some days the tips weren't there. So, yeah. you know, making that wage that everybody thinks you're going to get, sometimes you don't get it. So I appreciate that. But um, I, have there been any talkings between other restaurants and their response to, you know, what you guys are doing, because some places are, you know, touting the line that we're having a hard time finding people to work. Mm-hmm. But you guys had an overwhelming response to, you know, opening. And how are some of your restaurant, you know, fellow restaurateurs, you know, responding to what you guys are doing? All the restaurants in town, everyone I've spoken to has been phenomenally supportive. Uh, Jeff Good has been an incredible mentor. 
Hunter and Derek have reached out many, many a time to, you know, to let us know that they're happy to support. And uh, I I was amazed at how friendly the restaurant community is here, how well people want to support each other and see all these restaurants grow together. Um, They've they've all expressed uh, support for uh, our efforts. Um, And I think that, you know, we had a really great response to, uh, the hiring and the hiring process, uh, but that is not common in the industry. It, it certainly has been a challenge, especially after the pandemic, for all restaurateurs uh, in finding talent. Uh, it's definitely something that I've I've really put an emphasis on in in my career. You know, always be hiring ABH, um, and I think that 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 has helped me quite a bit to put that first and foremost. Um, but you know, we also, you know, uh, you know, we've got bills to pay too, and you know, there's there's a lot that goes into the economy and the business of a restaurant. Uh, and I think we all have to look at that as far as business owners and, and say, well, what, what, what can we do? Uh, but the cultures that are already established here through uh, support and caring about your employees are very well grounded, uh, you know, from, from the history of Malcolm and his restaurants to Jeff Good to even the new blood like uh, Hunter. And, you know, his, his employees all have um, gym memberships, you know, that, uh, in order for their health and wellness. And I think that um, that is going to be the new norm in restaurants is that instead of it being the 213 an hour, 60 hours a week, you know, grinding it out kind of thing is, is saying, like, how do, how do we make these businesses more supportive of the people that are in them? Uh, and then how do these communities, you know, in turn support these restaurants to do so? Because uh, it is, you know, hospitality is, is a huge part of our economy. Uh, and I feel that as Jackson continues to grow and continues to see this revival of, of Mississippi and the Deep South, that hospitality is going to play a huge role in that. It's the fourth largest employer non-farm today and uh, tourism and hospitality is hugely important in Mississippi and it is a big part of our culture we call ourselves the hospitality state (laughs) you know that's the business that we're in indeed all right Tyler thanks a million for coming in and good luck and we're glad you're open we can't wait to to come and see you and test out all of your your exciting menu items thank you as Eudora's in the district in Jackson, Mississippi, if you have a chance to visit. Meanwhile, Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by the generous contributions of listeners like yourself, and we thank you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and we appreciate Carol Palmer and our special guest today, Tyler Alford. I'm Malcolm White saying please tune in now for our good friend Marshall Ramsey's show, Now You're Talking, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. And you can catch us every Monday and every Sunday at 9 a.m. for more Deep South Dining heard exclusively on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.